One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but we've got another sponsor to tell you about. Phil Supreme. They're a nationally recognized brand who offer only the very highest quality of natural supplements. Their extensive range includes a range of medicinal mushrooms, nootropics, anti-aging products, gut support products, green powders, vitamins, and much more. Yep, they've worked with fighters from all the top promotions, including UFC, Bellator, Brave, and Cage Warriors, with a solid reputation of providing results. So check them out on Instagram, which is at Phil underscore Supreme or their website, www.philsupreme.co.uk, and make sure you use the code MMAFAN for a cool 15% off your first order. Don't say we don't spoil you. Hello, and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin, sitting opposite me, as ever, Blake Harrison. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Nice fake hello there, keeping it consistent. We've been chatting for about 20 minutes while we press record. But, uh, <laughs> it's all smoke and mirrors. You don't need to know that. You don't need to know that. Um, I'm good, mate. Um, I'm I'm still kind of caught up in all of the kind of aftermath of, of what happened at the weekend. Social media is still on fire. And yeah. there's just so much to talk about. Obviously, we're talking about UFC 269. Um yeah, I mean, before we do anything, where did you watch it? Right, so I had a really exciting time because I was over with the MMA On Point lads again uh, doing a fight companion uh, that went out on YouTube for those guys alongside uh, Lerone Murphy, former guest of the show. It was lovely to catch up with Lerone again. Um and we watched everything live. I was very, very tired because the kids got me up at about, I don't know, it wasn't actually too bad. It was maybe like around about seven-ish or something like that. But then by the time I got home, I'd been awake for well over like 24 hours. So it was a bit of a mad tired. I, I particularly remember watching the Jeff Neal Santiago Ponzinibbio fight and my eyes just feeling like they were bloodshot to hell, just like deeply painful eyes. Yeah. And then everything that happened after that kind of woke me up because it was so crazy, and we'll get into that in a bit. Um, but it was lovely. It was lovely with those lads. They're really good lads over at MMA On Point, uh, their YouTube stuff, um, and their fight companion was was really, really fun. Um, and so I watched it that way. How did you watch it, Stu? Well, I um, uh, the, the MMA On Point lads, um, sorry I couldn't come. They did extend the invitation to me. Obviously, you uh, you swapped me and upgraded to Lerone Murphy, um, <laughs> which I'm sure uh, was probably a, a, a much smarter fight brain to get on uh, giving their analysis. Um, so I was away uh, this weekend, and so I didn't get to watch it until Sunday afternoon, and I managed to avoid all the socials as well. How did you manage to avoid the spoilers of that? Didn't look at anything. Like, because I it was such a stacked card. I just thought if I open like either our, our account for the podcast um, or my own one, at some point, something's going to flash up with a picture of someone with a hand raised or, you know, because I follow so many accounts that are going to be excited about yeah. what happened and, and rightly so, you know, which I'm sure we'll discuss. Yeah, so I 
I come home um, Sunday afternoon and watched it, and because we um, guested on uh, Scroobius Pips, uh, friend of the podcast, Scroobius Pips, that's his full name, um, Distraction Pieces podcast, where he done a – it's not out yet. I think it comes out early Jan, um, and it's a kind of sort of roundup of the year. Um, and, and obviously I knew that it was going to be inevitable that we'd touch on this card at the beginning of it. And mm-hmm. so just, just for, for those that um, are going to go and look for that, it's it's not just Blake, me and Pip. Sean Sheehan's on there as well, and it's uh, it's a lovely chat between the four of us, and it looking back over the yeah. uh, uh, 2021 and, and looking into 2022. Um, so, yeah, so I knew that I had to get it in before we recorded Sunday evening, and uh, and I did, and jaw to the floor. It was just, it was, yeah. I, I honestly think, like, the, 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 yeah, the co-main, I'm still, like, just, holy shit. Well, surely like, that's where we start, isn't it? Yeah, Should yeah. We start? Shall we? We'll get to the main event. The co-main you, is where Look at you, just, just going, going absolutely rogue. We're not oh, even mate. starting at the top. No way, mate. <laughs> you, you got, there's only one place to start. Mm. And it's it's Juliana Pena. I mean, holy shit balls! Did you mean UFC bantamweight champion uh, Juliana Pena? It still it still sounds weird to say. <laughs> to hear it just sounds weird. I put something out on our um, uh, 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 Twitter, I think, of just of Juliana Pena with the belt around her, just being like, "This still hasn't sunk in." Mm. <laughs> it's like I still don't get this. Mm. Um, it was just so shocking. It's but a lot of people are saying like, is it up there with the greatest upsets of all time? Obviously, when you talk about the greatest upsets of all time, you probably got to think about uh, Matt Serra beating GSP. You got to think about um, Holly Ronda. Holly v Ronda. You've got to think about Weidman versus Anderson Silva. Mm. For me, this tops them all. This really does top them all for me because. I don't think GSP was the the goat at the time. Like he was going to go on to become the goat, but I don't think people saw him at the time that he was facing Matt Cetera as like this is the greatest to ever do it, the greatest mm. of all time. Um, in terms of Holly and Ronda, I think I remember a narrative going out there that kind of swayed me a little bit in the lead up to the fights of going, "Hang on a minute, Holly Holm is a multi-time boxing and kickboxing world champion." Ronda has never faced anyone like this. And in hindsight, you look back on that fight and you go, yeah, like, I I think that there's a possibility that Ronda did what possibly Nunes did, where she believed her own hype to the point where maybe she completely undermined her opponent and she was trying to brawl with, with Holly and Holly was able to just put on a bit of a clinic in terms of the footwork and striking and stuff like that. But I think in hindsight, you can look at that and go, yeah, we, we should have maybe seen that coming or we should have evaluated Holly's skill set a bit better um, and, and been able to go, yeah, they, the Holly's going to cause real problems for Ronda here. Um, and the other one with, with Weidman and Silver, again, Silver doing all the slip, slip, slip and Weidman just caught him. It's a weird knockout, isn't it? Mm-hmm. This is... There's, there's, even in hindsight, I still don't fully know how this has happened. It didn't look like in the fight, Amanda did anything wrong. Maybe in the lead up to the fight, we'll talk about that, the training camp, whatever. Maybe there were mistakes made there. But in the fight, it didn't look like Amanda was doing anything wrong. And I mean, for goodness sake, the first round, Amanda was dominant. It's the second round where things all went crazy. So I put this up there. As, as, I think this is the the biggest upset of all time. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we look back uh, in, in, in a couple of years the same way that you've just looked back on 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 Ronda and Holly. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But um, I, I didn't. I, again, like everybody, I'm caught up in that. In, in you know, I, I call it that kind of sort of Mike Tyson thing, where of like no one's ever going to beat him. No one's ever going to beat him. He's he's unbeatable. And and I, I definitely threw Nunes in that. Just. Uh, watching her sort of tee off against people like Cyborg and just, you know, destroying them. The thought, we all knew that Juliana's wrestling was good. Um, Nunez, BJJ Black Belt though, like, 
you know, you'd think wouldn't be wouldn't be phased to go to go to ground with her, but for Penner to stand there and trade, you know, with the hands of Nunes, props to her. And obviously she didn't come off the best in the first round, but when she came out in that second round, that jab yeah. it just kept hitting sweet spots right on the mouth. And it was like and and you know, I know Rogan I think Rogan or DC said it like her face changed and she looked yeah. she looked like, Oh shit. And she was breathing through her mouth as well in the second round. And I was like, There's five to you know, there's five rounds here. That's this this could be a long old fight. And you get these these fights where the underdog all of a sudden just puts on the performance of a lifetime, has that little bit extra that maybe they've not had in previous fights where they just weather the storm and they want it so bad. They, she was walking through a lot of Nunez's shots to get her own off and was coming off better out of it. And, yeah, I, I just thought this... I don't know whether... I, I can't see this getting to the end of the round. And Nunez looked exhausted. And, obviously, when she took her down... There, there, you know, a lot of people sort of post-match have sort of said that it didn't even look like it was in that tight. But have you seen Penna talk since? Uh, not massively. What What have you heard? She said that was in super tight. And she said she'd been training that, right. like, a lot. And she said, like, there was Nunez had to tap. She said, otherwise, I was going to break her neck or, you know, or she was going to, you know, she wow. was going to be unconscious. She said, like, you know, that was in tight like so you know I, I don't think that Nunes quit I don't think she's that sort of fighter I think you know she was super gracious afterwards which was lovely to see um and I'm 100% up to see this get rolled back yeah I mean it, it was it's fascinating really because if we look at the fight in a little bit more kind of like semi as, as detailed as we're going to get on this show um but like that first round Nunes totally dominant, knocked her down. It might have been a balance thing more than anything, but yeah. knocked her down. Um, was on top, was looking up and smiling. I remember her on top, looking up and smiling. I don't know who she was smiling at, but she was just smiling like this is easy. And then second round, she comes out. She's still got a bit of a smile on her face, and she's swinging. And all of a sudden, Pena just clips her. I think there was like a one-two left hook or something like that. She clips her, and as you said, Nunes's face changes. And something happened to her where she just sort of went, in a way, sort of similarly to what she did to Cyborg, where she clipped her and Cyborg, I think, went, I've just got to go and knock you out because I'm furious you've clipped me. I felt like Nunes sort of did the same. And she expended all of her energy doing these kind of wild, big, you know, trying to clip you and knock you out shots. Why wouldn't she? Because it works for her normally. Exactly. And Pena was able to... Either slip, roll, or, or let them glance off other things, but and even still get hurt. I mean, you look at Pena's face at the end. Her face is way more mashed up than Nunes's mm. was. But she just kept coming forward, and she had no fear. Like, we look at the Megan Anderson fights. It looked like rabbit in the headlights. We looked like we were looking at one fight. It was like, oh, I don't know how to deal with this. Um, Pena just went, oh, fuck it. I'm going for it. I'm going forward, and I'm not going to let up. And she was just swinging. It was quite... It looked quite... Um, it looked a bit sort of uh, uh, unclean, uh, dishevelled on the feet. It, it, it seemed like a bit of a throwback to two fighters that were just kind of slugging it out rather than really throwing with a huge amount of technique, which I found slightly surprising. But it seemed to work in Pena. And it, what was even more surprising was that worked in Pena's favour. Because, fa- because I don't think she was necessarily swinging wild hooks like uh, Nunes was, but... As much as you know, Penner's like aren't you know uh, uh, her shots don't look as clean as maybe Nunez's. Like she was choosing them shots, she was going straight down the middle. She wasn't, you know, it was them jabs that were on point. True, they yeah. were the ones that were like straight through the middle, and it was like they were they were just throwing Nunez off of her off of her kind of thing, and it was making her throw wildly. And I think. Once she clipped her, I think Penner just thought, right, I'm going to bite down on the gum shield now and I'm going to throw some big shots now and they're going to be haymakers and I'm going to end this. Right. Yeah. What a fight, man. It, it was incredible. And then when she was able to get her up against the fence, Nunes looked 
so exhausted, just mm. unbelievably exhausted. And when Pena got her down, she was able to get up. Like Nunes just seemed to roll over, giving up her back very quickly. And it was over. I mean, it was amazing afterwards because it looked like Pena wasn't even, didn't even believe what had happened. Yeah, she kind totally. of just kind of sat there and like it was just all a bit confusing. Um, but I mean, so looking looking at the reasons why this happened, you have to give so much credit to Pena. She came and did what she said she was going to do, which was not take a backward step, go forward, make things difficult for Amanda Nunes, and she absolutely did that. Her game plan clearly. Worked very, very well. However, we said on the preview for this with, with, with Pip, I'm always worried when a fighter has found it so easy that they've earned so much money, they've been pay-per-view money for the last five, six years, um, now they've, they've got a young child in their life and they, they seem to have pretty much everything kind of sewn up, goat status, like... How do you continue to keep motivated when you've got all those things? And I think we've seen something here where they're possibly, I would love to know, Really, was that training camp the usual Amanda Nunes training camp or was she slacking a bit? Was she underestimating Pena, who with all due respect to Pena, was on a one-fight win streak? She was beat by GDR only recently. Um, So is there a bunch of factors here of like, you know, you've earned the money, you're less motivated. Are you training hard? Are you underestimating your opponent? Did you, you know, not focus on your strength and conditioning, which is why you were so gassed out so quickly? It could be a multi, or is it that thing of in the fight, it's worked for you before, as you said earlier, this kind of just like, just connecting with people just lays them out. And were you finally like, oh, this isn't working. I don't know what to do. Um, so there's lots of factors there, which I don't want to take away from Juliana Pena, but we I don't feel like we saw in that fight some kind of unbelievable game plan or some something where Pena's completely outclassed Nunes. So I said, the first round was Nunes all day long. The second round, they just got into a firefight and somehow Nunes lost it. Um, and that's what led to the takedown and Nunes getting exhausted. And it does make me wonder, the rematch is probably coming next. And I actually think Nunes will be the favourite going into that rematch. I think a lot of people will see this as a sort of blip. But the question marks will still be, can Nunes take this defeat and from it grow the motivation that she needs to get back to the lioness that we knew a few fights ago? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's the fairy tale, isn't it? That's the Rocky film, the whole thing, you know, you, the hunger goes because, it, you know, the money's there and the lifestyle's there and the family's there. But I, I, I want to give Pena a bit more credit because I, I think she, you know, she just did not um, refuse to let herself be bullied. And and I use the term bullying, you know, strictly in the you know, the confines of the, the octagon. And I think Nunes does that. She just comes at pressure, bullies, 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 and always, you know, gets the results because people are fearful of her power. And and I think Pena's game plan was not to be fearful of that. It was to just go, look, I'm just going to, I'm just going to rough and tumble you and I'm going to get through it. And and I think them jabs, seeing the effect that I had, that just made her go, right, this is what I'm going to, I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to do this. And I think, I, I think it was a perfect game plan. Like, I, you know, I, it wasn't a master class in, in boxing or in wrestling, but does it have to be, you know? She shocked the world, and she shocked it by outstriking, you know, one of the greatest female, if not the greatest female striker of all time. Like, beat her, bullied her, and, you know, I, I, I think Nunes goes away, looks at this. I think she'll come back. I think she'll come back strong. She'll learn from, you know, she'll she'll take loads of kind of stuff from this. Maybe she'll assess the fact that maybe life was too comfortable, you know, do. And I think we'll find out a lot about Amanda Nunes in the next fight, whether or not she doesn't need to do this anymore. Whether, you know, if she comes back and she dominates and she, you know, gets the belt back, then, then you think, right, okay, so she's learned from that. Where's she going to go now? She's cleaned out that division anyway. Like, does she 
does she call it quits then and enjoy the the, the fruits of her labour? I, uh, I I think a rematch would be really interesting. I think you're going to get a Pena that knows she can beat her, knows she can strike with her, knows she can take her shots, knows she can roll with her. I'm just excited to see it. And I want I want Pena to just bask in the glory for a bit. I think that's that's the great thing that's come out of this, isn't it? Is that all of a sudden we're all really excited about an Amanda Nunes fight, which let's be honest, I don't think we've been like, we're always excited to see the goat in action because she's brilliant, but we've not really been excited about the fight, the challenge in yeah. front of her. It's always been like, when's she going to win? Yeah. And not I mean, how I don't, or if. I don't really want to sort of get into the ifs, whys and where's of what happens if Pena uh, defends her title against Nunes and, and, and retains it because all of a sudden that bantamweight division, whew, like there is Wide all open. sorts of shit going to be going down there because everyone wants that. I mean, I, I see that Cyborg put a, a, a message up to Dana with a, a, like a little screenshot of her phone saying, Dana, call me. And it's like, oh, what's that all about? Like, But yeah, I don't know. Why would she not have done that previously? Like why 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 not go instantly for the rematch with with Nunes? But I don't know. Well, is she not? She's contracted to Bellator. Of course, though. I don't of know course. She's, what's she's going on there. Making mega money and clearing out yeah. Bellator. Like. And obviously Kayla Harrison is the other. Mm, she was there, she wasn't she? Was, she was there. She was in the audience. She's you know she's a free agent now. She could go mm. back to PFL and earn another million. She could um, go to the UFC, but the. the the fight with New- New- Kayla Harrison, there's no way she can make 135. She's a 155er that can mm. make has made 45 in the past. So she, really, it was going to be a super fight between her and Nunes that was mm. on the cards. I think I, probably Bellator might be better off for her going to 145 yeah. and taking on Cyborg and see how that goes, I think. I love the super fight that... Um... That Michael Kieser had with himself, uh, trying to uh, <laughs> trying to celebrate with Pena, jumped the barrier, fell over, and uh, I, I don't know if Kieser had, had a few beers, but did you see the footage yes. that, that that came yesterday of him just going, "I love you, yeah, I love you so much." I think it he definitely so had cool. a few beers. I think he tried to get into the cage to celebrate with Pena. <laughs> he was off his face drunk, I think, and uh, I think fell over and hurt himself. And was escorted out by security, but then he was able to see her in the back. And yeah, it was. It, it was, was a quite proper a love you, man. Wasn't it? Yeah, it really, really was. But you know, as, hey, look, she's she's earned all the adoration for that for that performance. I mean, we'll see what happens in the future with the rematch and all that stuff. But you're right; she did the unthinkable, and she is now yeah. the winner of what is, in my opinion, and I think will be a lot of people's opinions. The, the biggest upset in, in yeah. UFC history. So well done to Pena. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Shall we get on to the main event now? Yes. Yeah. So Olivera Poirier. I mean, this was the fight. I, I just was looking forward to this so much. Two guys, top of their game. A lot of people considered after Khabib left that Dustin was the number one guy at lightweight. Oliveira obviously beaten Chandler for the belt. I think had a lot to prove going into the fight in terms of proving that he he really is the champ because everyone said that it should have been Poirier versus Oliveira for that vacant belt, but Poirier took the money fights with Connor, understandably so. Um, and so this, I think, a lot of people felt like this was this was the one, this was the the real fight for the va- for the belt type thing. And all of Oliveira shut a lot of people up, and uh, I mean, even myself, I, I I thought this was an incredibly close fight, and was constantly chopping and changing my mind before the fight. But I ended up leaning towards Dustin just because of the durability. But Oliveira really showed showed some durability because I think he lost that first round due 100%. to Dustin's boxing. He got knocked down and all that stuff. But that's two fights now where he's been knocked down in the first round. And come back strong. And the forward pressure, the forward pressure was like the pace of that first round was crazy. Uh, pace was just Absolutely different crazy. level. Yeah, and and I thought what was happening though constantly was just Oliveira was throwing them front kicks, the knees <clears throat> straight into the solar plexus and the, and the and the body of of, of Poirier, and 
I, I think that paid dividends. Yeah, I, I think the, the second round's a weird one because the first round was great. He tried to get Dustin down. It didn't really work. Uh, there was one moment where he went down and Dustin popped straight back up. Dustin was able to hit the bigger and better shots on the feet, but he still got clipped a lot. Like They both came out for that second round looking, both of them, quite worse for wear around the face. It was um, surprising after the first round to have done that much damage and the pace for, to have been as much as it was in, in a five-round fight. Mm. Um, but there's a moment in round two that really stuck out to me, and I was talking to the guys that I was watching the fight with because they probably know a, bit, they know a lot more about jiu-jitsu than I do. Um, Charles Oliveira was sort of setting up an omoplata and Dustin was on his feet and his arm was slightly trapped, but he didn't look like he was in any real danger. Mm. Also, it seems like Charles Oliveira had his fingers in Dustin's glove, present, preventing him from getting away, which, you know, to be fair, is, is highly illegal. Um, uh, but Dustin did a roll. He like forward rolled, which I've been told is the best escape to get away from an omoplata. But it seemed to me like he wasn't in any danger. He rolled and Oliveira was like, right, now I've got you in mount. Or now, now I'm on top of you. Now, now you're in my world. And Dustin spent that whole round on his back getting his foot. Like Oliveira was just doing that thing of rubbing his forearm across his face and all that stuff, dropping shots and all that kind of thing. Hand, hand over his mouth as well. Hand Fucking over his mouth. breathing. Yeah. Uh. yeah. All of that stuff that I think probably did take a real toll on Dustin. And it, I'm not saying that the outcome of the fight changed because of that moment at all. I, I think that, you know, Oliveira has shown that his grappling was, was far superior, I think, to, to Dustin's. But I do think it had an effect on, on Dustin. And I don't know if that was a mistake, that, that escape from the Arma Plata when he was on his feet and he had his hand, like, kind of didn't look like he was in too much danger rolled away again the jujitsu experts out there might tell you no he was in danger and he he had to roll away and that's fair enough if that's the case but it didn't look like the right choice to go to the ground at that point in time in and enter into Charles Oliveira's world um and then but a third round again that forward pressure just coming out got the body lock towards the cage and then Dustin again I think trying to stop the takedown went down kind of planting on all fours a little bit um or getting his hands down with his feet and uh, and that's when Oliveira was just like, oh, well, I'll, I'll just jump on your back then. And it was all she wrote after that. Um, have you got anything you want to say about, like, the fight itself? Or, or do we talk about kind of where things go I, from here? I, I was still getting my breath from the previous fight, to be honest. And uh, But it, it, it was brilliant. And it was, so, you know, ahead of it, I think all, all three of us on the pre-show were still like, it's so... Don't know how to call this, but I think Oliveira's just just soared now and just just shown everyone that like he's the man, and he is. Uh, and and I guess his next test, I imagine he's going to be Justin Gaethje, yeah. and and I, and I'm super hyped for that. It's nice to see them meet afterwards. Very respectful, and uh, and yeah, that's the fight I want to see. Um, I think, you know, it's safe to say that will be the fight as well. Yeah. Um, what's next for Dustin, do you think? Well, do you know, before we get on to Dustin, I want to ask you, having seen this fight with Poirier, has that changed your opinion on how you think the Oliveira Justin... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, we'll go. Maybe, because there's some, you know, there's similarities between Dustin and Justin, you know, like, like their names. I've just realised their names <laughs> rhyme. <laughs> but, um, but obviously they're both, you know, super powerful strikers. Um, I, I think if we was talking Justin, you know, 2019, I, I'd be thinking, mm, he's too wild. Uh, but now we've seen a more measured Gaethje, uh, I think it makes for a really interesting fight. I think I'd, I, don't, I don't know. I, I think I'd possibly see Charles getting it. I, I think I'd lean on Avira as well after that performance. Mm. I just think, I mean, we were chatting with Sean Sheehan, as you mentioned uh, earlier, and I think he was saying that, that, he, that Dustin's a more powerful striker than, than Gaethje. I don't know that I see that. I always think of Gaethje as a more powerful striker I agree. Than, I agree. than Dustin. Um, and so I think Oliveira does get hit. Mm. He does get hit. And I think Justin can definitely do a job. I just think he's going to become like, not, not Khabib level in that sense of like people being so fearful of him getting close to get a takedown. But I think there's going to be something in that, that people are going to be like, this guy just loves to come forward. Forward, His striking's pretty good. And if he gets me in a body lock, I could be going for a ride. And once we're on the ground, it's, it's, it's he's got such an advantage over everyone, it seems, on the ground. Mm. And so I, I do think I'd lean towards Oliveira beating everyone now and except Makachev. Makachev is the one where you go, oh, it's the wrestling against the jiu-jitsu. It's like, who knows? But even that fight now, I'm like, beforehand, I've been saying Makachev is the top guy. Makachev's the, the champion in waiting. If Poirier gets the belt, Makachev's going to take it off him. Justin, whoever, it doesn't matter. Makachev is the guy. Oliveira, to me is the, the guy with the skill set that makes me go, oh, hang on a minute. Maybe he isn't the guy. <laughs> Maybe Oliveira's the guy. Because again, on the feet, I think Oliveira's a better striker. And if Makachev takes him down, Oliveira likes to be on the ground. Now, you, what you would say is that that kind of Sambo Dagestani wrestling style can probably nullify a lot of what Oliveira wants to do on the ground. If he can nullify... But- Benil first. Uh, yeah, well, that's another point, but let's, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's happening in February, Makachev, Benil, which I think is another cracking fight. Mm. But, oh, just lightweight's bloody good, isn't it? Yeah, mate. Lightweight's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's just great, isn't it? Lightweight that's, is fantastic. That's that, you know, the, 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 you know, the granddaddy sitting there, you know, case side just thinking, nah, do I come out of retirement? You know, mm. because surely if... Uh, if Makachev don't get the the strap and and Charles continues on on this like tear, is that gonna bring some serious money in for a fight? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I, I, well, it would bring money in for a fight, whether it actually happens or not. I mean, mm. I, don't, I, I think there's a whole no. Khabib seems like a guy with whose word means something. You know, he's promised his mummy wouldn't do it, but also I think there's that whole thing of like. There's no one here to challenge me, man. Like I'm too good. If, as you say, if Oliveira were to beat Gaethje and then ideally for the storyline beat Makachev, yeah. then, God, you are looking at some people go, turning around and going, maybe Oliveira is the guy to beat Khabib. And that chatter will grow and grow and grow. And then you might see Khabib's competitive side come out and go, no, I need to shut people up and show them I'm still the greatest ever lightweight. And uh, yeah, but that oh, that would be some story. I would lo- I love to see that. I'd love to see Oliveira fight Gaethje within the next, uh, you know, four or five months or whatever, win, then fight Makachev maybe at the end of next year. And then 2023, all the talk is, come on, Khabib, <laughs> come yeah. back. You've got to come back. That would be incredible. But um 
Yeah, in terms of Dustin, as you said earlier, what's next for Dustin? I mean, the obvious choice for me is Connor again. Mm. Because let's be honest, with the way those fights were going beforehand, um, I think Dustin is the firm favourite in that fight. I think it's the huge biggest money fight he could get, even more so than any title fights. Why not get that money again? The narrative sort of sells itself because even though Dustin's 2-1 up, that last fight, the leg break was so... It was the thing, wasn't it? It was the crucial moment of the fight. And so you can easily argue that technically they should be 1-1. The leg break wasn't a kind of definitive win necessarily. So um, I think that's the fight to do. But depending on when Connor wants to come back and how quickly Dustin wants to fight, I mean... Nate Diaz and Dustin have had beef for a long time. That could be a great fight up at yep. 170. And Nate's only got one fight left on his contract. The Connor's UFC... got about 30 fights lined up. He's, 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 he's called out everyone. So yes. uh, he's got... <laughs> but yeah, um, so that, that could work out really well as well. Dust, Dustin is still a star. Dustin is someone that's got the Connor rub. He's a big name at 155. He's probably only two wins away from getting a title shot again. And if he wanted to go up to welterweight, he could probably go straight in there and fight a guy in the top six or seven and with a win, then fight for the belt. Like that's the situation Dustin's in. So, you know, he's, he's definitely got options as long as he's got the motivation to still do it. He's, he's got options. And again, uh, incredible levels of grace and respect in, in his loss as well. You know, uh, offering up 20 grand to a, a, a charity of his choice in his home his hometown was lovely. Yeah, like, yeah that is you know. classic Dustin, isn't it? Like, just, yeah, and, and, charitable donations, helping out his opponent who's just beat him, and he still wants to help out his hometown. It's, yeah. it's more than just a sport and wins and losses. It's about you know the kind of the generosity and the good that he can do everywhere. He's just a great guy, Poirier. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, and that that, that that stuff that you know, people that aren't necessarily on board with the uh, the world of MMA should should definitely kind of watch them things as well because you know it, it really does show these people are um yeah wonderful right uh um, Nibio versus Jeff Neal I don't have a huge amount to say about it if I'm honest nah nah it's like I mean look great good split decision win for Neil um you know, I think both those guys were quite equally matched going into the fight. I think that was proved right. It was quite a close fight in a lot of ways. Um, uh, what's next for Neil? Uh, maybe a Michael Chiesa, maybe a Li Jing Liang, someone in those kind of worlds. I think we've seen him stumble against the Wonder Boys and the Magni, so I wouldn't want to shove him straight back into a fight in the kind of with a top five or six guy necessarily. But I think Chiesa's coming off of, is he coming off of two losses now, Chiesa? Yeah, two losses off of uh, Brady and Vincente Luque. Mm-hmm. So Chiesa needs a win. Taking on someone a bit further back in the rankings makes perfect sense. And Li Liang is very close to uh, Jeff Neal in the rankings. Was obviously dispatched in a scary fashion mm-hmm. by Hamzat Shemaev. He might look to get one back. I think those guys are all in a similar boat and could fight each other. I think that works perfectly well. Um, Ponzinibbio, maybe someone outside the rankings like Daniel Rodriguez or someone like that might be a good shout. But don't know it, what you it think. Was, I thought it was an okay fight, um, uh, but I think unfortunately there was too much going on either side of it for it to get quite easily forgotten. And yeah. uh, and I'm I, yeah, and you got to kind of feel for Jeff Neal because he, he got he got a good win over and you know a really good opponent, but no one's really going to be talking about that fight when they discuss this card. And uh, because they're going to be, if not talking about the stuff that happened after, the stuff that before, Kaikara France, man, that guy's got to be walking on air at the moment. Yeah. Phenomenal. But great stuff from Kaikara France. I mean, but in in winning this fight, Kaikara France is actually still not the most talked about guy, is he? I don't think. it's It's all about... Garbrandt and it's all about what does Garbrandt do next is Garbrandt staying at 125 is he going back up to 135 is he close to being done like I I think so I'm sure I heard him questioning his 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 love of it um a few fights back and I, I guess you know we, we spoke about this the other night when people kind of drop down a division because they're kind of struggling in a division that they're in 
you know, that's the kind of is that when they're on their way out and thinking, right, look, I'll just try and see how I get on down here. And that's not the start you want, is it? Because he's a superstar, Cody Garbrandt. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, that was when you're getting, you know, finished in the first round, like, you've got a question. Do I need to, am I meant to be doing this anymore? I don't know. I, I, I don't I mean, think. It, it, Go on, what do you think? One, one win in his last six fights. Mm. And I think three or four of those losses have been knockouts. You know, two two knockouts against TJ Dillashaw, he's lost. One knockout against Pedro Munoz, which I think... And I think a lot of these were first round as well. Now Kai Kara France as well. Rob Font was only a decision loss, but still a loss. And uh, and his only win was a Sunsau, who's also on a skid and not looking very good at the moment. So... Uh, I don't know. I think it's looking really, really bleak for Garbrandt. He's now out of the rankings as well. He was still ranked at Bangerton Weight. They've just pulled him straight out of those rankings, I think. Um, God, doesn't it make the win over Cruz look like this weird freakish evening? Like, Yeah. Because Cruz is, you know, Cruz doesn't get beat by anyone. He got beat by Cejudo. He would complain, as he did at the end of this fight, that that fight was stopped too early and all that stuff. Um, God, I mean, it just makes you think he had the best night of his life when it mattered against Dominic Cruz. And then since then, it's just been like, yeah, he's he's quite a mediocre fighter. It seems weird hearing people say that, but when you look at that record... It speaks for itself, doesn't it? Mm. And and I think obviously there's there's highlight, you know, there's classic footage of him, you know, in in the Ultimate Fighter with the Connor thing, and and obviously he he's a ridiculously handsome looking dude, isn't he? And I mean, whilst we're speaking about um, uh, man crushes, do, do do you want to talk about who was in uh, the corner of uh, of uh, Kai France? Was that oh, Dan Hooker? Dan Hooker was yeah, in there, was he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, boy. Me and Dan. Yeah. I'll be I sliding mean, into his DMs soon trying to get him on the show. Don't worry about that. Um, but yeah, but going back to uh going back to Cody, I I, I I don't see I don't see where he can go now because he's a big name and there'll always be money. But is he gonna just become that guy that that they sort of just put into kind of test fighters. Does he need that? Does he want that? He must have made a lot of money. Um, I don't know. I want to see him fight now. Well, I mean, it depends what he does. I mean, if he wants to stay at 125, does he take on someone like, I don't know, like a Tim Elliott, someone who's like, a bit of a legend as name value, but isn't exactly tearing it up at the moment to give him a chance to kind of get back in there. Um, if he goes to bantamweight, God, I mean, knowing the UFC, they'll probably be looking at Garbrandt and going, look, this guy is done. However, his name still has a certain amount of value in it. So it would make sense to put him against someone that we want to be a star that will beat him and whatever. Being a Brit, I would hope for someone like a Jack Shaw if Jack Shaw gets past Duman Nurmagomedov, which I think is booked for March 19th. Um, then, you know, give him to Jack Shaw or something. I mean, I, I think Jack Shaw deserves a rank guy, don't get me wrong, but the name value of someone like Garbrandt can help boost your profile and get you bigger fights later down the line. And then there's the beef with O'Malley, but it does feel like an O'Malley fight is like lamb to the slaughter at the moment. You just, it's, it's, it's worse than the Chris Matinho fight at this stage. I, I think that's the fight. I think that's the, the if anything, it's like, it, it's a big money fight. There's beef there and and there's people that I'm sure O'Malley could fight, you know, if he's going to start fighting, you know, top 10 or just outside top 10 fighters that are going to be, people are just tuning in to watch Sean O'Malley. Fights Garbrandt, that all of a sudden becomes a more interesting fight for, for casual fans as well. But I don't know. I mean, I'd we've feel seen Garbrandt. I'd feel really uncomfortable about that fight being booked because I, I, it would just be, it, I just feel like it's such a beating. 
It's just like... I, I just, is, it, is it though? Is it though? Of course it is. He's just been knocked up by Kai Kara France. Down a weight class. If he goes and fights O'Malley, he is getting smashed. Absolutely smashed. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I don't think I need to see it. I'd rather see that than see him fight someone like Tim Elliott, who's on the. I think he's on a coming off a loss anyway. Tim Elliott. It's yeah, like, but so's Garbrandt. <laughs> I know, but Garbrandt's got you know dollar signs attached to him. It, you know, I'm, he's still a he's still a star, and there's you know, and there's another star in that division, and they've got beef. Like I'm up for it. Oh, I'm not. I'm not up for it. I just, I yeah, no, that ship sailed for me. It's, t- it's too much. O'Malley's too much. Garbrandt, Garbrandt, if he's sticking around in the UFC, he needs to be fighting unranked guys or very kind of like, you know, 11 to 15 rage of the flyweight division if he's staying down there. Something like that. He, he needs... He's yeah. not going to want them fights, though, is he? But it depends because what it, he wants. Does he want to stick around in the UFC, or does he want to go somewhere? I wouldn't be surprised. If, you know, the UFC could could almost just turn around and go, "Yeah, you're you're done. Let's just release you of your contract. Go and fight a bare knuckle FC. Go go and have fun over there." Like, yeah, he's it's it's done, man. It's, I, I just I don't it's brutal. No, it's not. I'm trying to save him. You want to throw him in there with Sean O'Malley? That's brutal. That's savagery. You should be locked up for statements like that. That's g- gross and disgraceful. That's just, no, absolutely not. We, this, we have a duty of care to these fighters and putting Cody Garbrandt, who is knocked out practically every fight at the moment, putting mm. him in there with Sean O'Malley is not, you know, your, the duty of care that he needs right now. Sean O'Malley, where's he ranked now? Do they announce where, what the ranking He's gone up to 13th. Right. I and mean, Garth should we Brandt's talk about rankings. him? We should talk about him, yeah. I mean, if, for anyone that doesn't know, I was saying Kai Kara France is saying that he needs a title shot next. He's not fighting unless he gets the title shot next. I, that's a bit silly, I think. Ambitious. I think he just got yeah. lost in the moment. I think he is not as deserving of a title shot as people like Pantoja and Askarov in that division. 100%. So if you want to fight for the belt, Go and have a number one contenders fight with one of those guys, and and then then it kind of clears it up. If you beat Pantoja or Askarov, I think that's it. You're you're the number one guy. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, call for that fight or go and accept that fight. I think that gets you the title shot. I don't think you deserve a title shot off of this win and so a two fight win streak with that and Bonterin. I know it's good two first round knockouts, really great, but he's already fought Bren, uh, Brendan Moreno and lost. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I think he needs to to get another win. On to O'Malley. Um, well, do, you, do you want to start with um, um, Piver first? Do you want to? Do you want to just kind of finish up his career as well and send him uh, send, send him <laughs> no, over to Bare Knuckle FC? No, absolutely not. Piver's still, you know, O'Malley's very very <laughs> special, and Piver is not on some crazy, you know, one in six streak where he's been bad knocked out night four for times. Team Alpha Male, wasn't it? Just going back to Garbrandt, it's the way he's losing as well. First round knockouts most of the time. I know Font was a decision, but other than that, it's either first or second round KOs. It's not good for his health. And O'Malley, that is just, again, you should be locked up for statements like that. You are doing him such a disservice. Do you want to see that poor man injured? Um, But uh, yeah, no, O'Malley. O'Malley just, oh God, that sugar show is something special, isn't it? He's just every single time he's putting on a performance and he's doing it not just in the octagon. He's doing it out of the octagon with the way he's dressing, the way he's doing his hair, you know, some of the trash talk stuff. Even after his fight, he watched Cody Garbrandt get knocked out. Have you seen that? No. There's a, there, he's doing a video, an interview, 
and he can look up at the TV and sees Garbrandt get, gets knocked out. And I, and he's, I can't remember exactly what he said. It was like, oh, sucks for you, Garbrandt. Yeah, some people aren't made for this. Like something like that. And it's just like, oh, God. Like he's just rubbing salt in the wounds even more. Um, so, yeah, O'Malley's a star. He's got that unquantifiable it factor thing. I know you think he's a melt. <laughs> You're not a fan. <laughs> but I think he's great. I think his fight style is fantastic. Um, the I, look I, I'm not... he's like a computer game character. Like he's like a um, he's like someone from Grand Theft Auto. You stumble across. I bet you in the next Grand Theft Auto, there's someone that's a Sugar Shawn O'Malley kind of. I don't know, skin or whatever they call it of Sugar Shawn O'Malley that you could be in Grand Theft Auto. You mentioned that you know lots of things about his performance and lots of things about his fight style, and I agree with all of that. I'm just not a fan. Why? Like. Uh, I just think he's a melt. Like you can't just, just say that. What's, what do you mean? Like why? I don't know. There's just something about him that just he just gets on me tits. And like <laughs> I think and, Pip's right. I think you're just he makes you feel old. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's exactly what it is. But um, yeah, uh, I I think, and I'm going to say I think we're going to see the Garbrandt fight. I think that. I really think that could be could be the next fight. I really do. I hope you're wrong. I really, I, 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 I yeah. I hope you're wrong. But yeah, I mean, look, in terms of you, so you think if, the next if you're fight listening, is Cody, but Blake could be ran the retirement home soon with a big bag of Werther's originals for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you'll be healthy, unlike with Stu, who's setting up a body bag for you. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, um, in terms he of... He looked um, incredible. He looked incredible. He looked great. He looked incredible. He did what he said on the tin. I don't think we really need to go into it too much. He he did what we all thought he would do against an mm. opponent that's proven to be very durable and tough, like in that Kyler Phillips fight. Mm. Um, Piver's no mug, and he made him look very, like, an easy, easy win. So, um, yeah, O'Malley's now ranked at 13th. Um, I think he should be moving forward. I don't think there's any point in him looking backwards. He should be moving forward. The winner of Ricky Simone versus a Sunshine. I think that's happening this weekend, but I'm not. That is this sure. weekend. Yeah. It is. Ricky it is. Simone and O'Malley have had some beef. Uh, it's not been the kind of level of Garbrandt beef. There's been some talk here and there, nothing major. Um, I think that could be a good fight. Both that's good great young fight. prospects. That's a great fight. If a Sunshine wins, then a Sun Sal's finished maybe a three-fight losing streak and gets a win, but still maybe shouldn't be propelling himself forward too much or anything because he has just been on a three-fight losing streak. And um, and he's a big name. A Sun Sal has been in the bantamweight rankings for a really, really long time, and he's fought a, a huge um, long list of, of big names as well that have been around that bantamweight rankings for a long time. So... I think that could be an interesting test because he's got real, real level of experience. And as, as I said, he's been a, a stalwart of the bank and bantamweight rankings for a long time. So I think the winner of that is really good. If you want to really push him really far and go a bit further, could stick him in there with Pedro Munoz. But I think I'd rather see him build up a bit slower than that. Mm. Okay. Yeah, well, go with that. I think, I reckon the Garbrandt fight's next. I really do. I, the more I think about it, the more I just think Dana want Dana will have that. I mean, it, it could it could those two names together could easily be a fight night fight main night. event. Easily, Absolutely. I mean, look, I I wouldn't want to watch it because I feel like it. I just feel bad for Garbrandt, but it does make some business sense. Fight night main event, these two guys boost them up there. People would be excited about it. People will want to watch it. Two big personalities, beef, all that stuff. So, yeah, but then it also makes sense to say keep O'Malley on pay-per-view cards rather than fight night cards because he's a draw. Sure, yeah, He of is a draw. People want to see it. But then I don't feel right in going, just keep doing that with him until he gets a title shot and his first five-round fight is a title shot. I don't. I think he's got to have a fight night somewhere down the line and maybe that makes perfect sense. But again, if you want to get five rounds of experience, I don't think you're going to do that against Cody Garbrandt at the moment. Um, 
Anyway, moving on to another fight in the bantamweight division, Dominic Cruz, Pedro Munoz. What were your thoughts on that? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought a uh, tricky start uh, for, for Dominic Cruz. Um, but then I thought well, once he kind of found his feet, found his range, uh, I thought he looked incredible. Yeah, I, I really thought when Pedro caught him with that shot, it's yeah. kind of like Cruz seemed to like that footwork that he does seem to move forward into a jab that just yeah. sent, set him down. And um, I, I thought that was it. I was like, oh God, I, I think Cruz is really hurt and Pedro's going to go on to win this fight, uh, maybe even by stoppage. And Cruz come back so mm. well. I mean, it just frustrated him with his footwork, it seems. And uh, Pedro couldn't land on him the way he did in the first round. Um, I think in terms of Cruz going forward, he wants to constantly be looking forward in terms of like going up for that title shot. And I think he's only one big win away from a title shot. There's talk of him potentially, you know, fight Frankie Edgar for Frankie Edgar's retirement fight, but that does nothing for Cruz's title ambitions. The Jose Aldo fight, I think Aldo's looking forward. I think Aldo wants a TJ Dillashaw or someone like that. I Maybe the Cruz fight makes a lot of sense for both those guys. I don't know, but I I think I'd I'd like to see Dominic Cruz fight someone like a Corey Sandhagen or a Rob Font. I think it makes a lot of sense. Probably Sandhagen more so. That's, that's a good fight. That is. It's a really good fight. They've both got great footwork. If Cruz mm. were to to be able to beat Sandhagen, then that's it. You get a title shot. You mm. give him the title shot after that. That makes all the sense in the world. I think. TJ is probably looking at going straight for the belt. So I don't think Cruz will get that fight. I think TJ's thinking once I'm fit and ready to go, I'm getting it to a title shot. But the only other thing that might interest him might interest him is a fight with uh, Aldo, maybe. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think Cruz versus Sandhagen makes a lot of sense. And then if he wins that fight, his next fight is for the belt, regardless of what's going on above him. And, and if there's a log jam, that his next fight can be for the belt. Um, you got anything else you you could think of for Cruz? No, I know we spoke about you know we'd all like to see that fight with Frankie, but I do think after that that performance at the weekend, I don't think that fight something I'm necessarily keen to see in the immediate future. I, I, I'd like to see uh, the Sandhagen fight to me sounds really exciting. That that's something I'd like to see. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and 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 again, I know. Every time people mention Dominic Cruz, they talk about his footwork, but it's remarkable. Mm. It's like nobody else. It's just so, you know, it's like watching Floyd Mayweather, you know, not necessarily the most explosive strikers or knockout specialists, but their speciality is spectacular. And I'm just, I'm literally transfixed just thinking it's not like any other fighter in that division. Nobody moves like that. And it's it, how you train to fight Dominic Cruz, I've no idea because it must be, it, you must just be like constantly thinking, where's he going? What's going on? Am I going to get kicked? Am I going to get to, what's going on? Because I, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I just wanted to sort of uh, just back up the uh, the endless amounts of love for Dominic Cruz's footworks. It's uh it's, it's a thing of wonder. It really is. Yeah. I mean, he's influenced people, isn't he? I think TJ has tried to emulate that style a little bit. It's never quite the same. And I think Corey Sandhagen sort of has tried to have a little bit of a, yeah. a footwork. I mean, it's not cruise level, I don't think. But I he, think TJ is the closest you get to it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, oh, did you see that Cruz has sort of apologised for those comments yeah. about DC's commentary. He was hungry. <laughs> he was hungry and he was dehydrated. And uh, yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, Dominic Cruz was asked a question about the commentary and basically basically slagged off Daniel Cormier's commentary to the media, saying that he doesn't do enough homework and I mute his commentary, <laughs> which I think there's a lot of people that are slagging off DC's commentary at the moment. Um, it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers other people, but I can understand their point of view. Some of it isn't great, but um, I did think that Dominic Cruz did the wrong thing by saying wrong place. that it was the yeah, and that's exactly what he's come out and said. He has said that it wasn't the right place. Like what I said wasn't wrong. 
but the place that I said it where the media could take it and run with it and all that kind of stuff was the wrong thing to do. And I agree with him. I think it's really good of him to have uh, apologised for that because I think there probably is an element of trying to be a bit of a team when you're doing Mm. those kind of broadcast things. Very hard to do a live broadcast for like seven hours or whatever the hell Mm. it is they're doing it for. That's a really hard thing to do. I know it sounds like you're just watching fights talk about No, to do seven hours of live TV is not an easy feat. And, um, yeah, to slag him off to the media was not the right thing to do, I don't think. But it's good that he's apologised for that. Um, Right, there's a few other fights on the card that we could just very, very, very briefly touch on, but I've not got a huge amount to say about them. Um, I want to speak about Ty. Yeah. Because, like, just... Brilliant. Like when he lets his hands go when he's got you, you're in trouble. Like because the the, the precision was brilliant. Uh, and he clearly hits really hard and he's a fan favourite, you know. He's uh he's uh, uh, uh oh, I forgot his second name. Uh, Roy, uh Big Country. Uh, oh what no. Oh Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson. He he's got that kind of fan favourite thing that, that that Big Country had, and I think you know, people love the, the the shoey. You know, it's it's amazing, and he's just he's a proper Aussie geezer, isn't he? And when he gets on the mic and uh, and he does his thing, it's just brilliant. And I'm on board. I think he's hopefully we're going to see him get some some bigger names now, and because it was a fantastic finish. And I don't know who I put him in against next. I don't know. Anyone that you'd like to see Ty fight? Well, yeah. I mean, there's fights that make sense. I mean, he's now 11th in the rankings. And it's like, there's part of me that wants to see him just constantly fight unranked guys that he can strike with just so that we can see him have a great time and do shoeys at the end of every fight. And oh, stuff like it's that. all right watching but... him just destroy people. <laughs> no, but there are but, people uh, have a chance. No, 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 this is not, like, no, I'm not saying put him up against someone that's been knocked out four of his last six fights and now he's got one win. Um, I'm not saying that. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, there's part of me that wants that, but obviously you want to see him also progress. Where, where is his ceiling and all that stuff? One thing we haven't talked about enough is tied to Ivas is on a four-fight win streak, and that four-fight win streak is coming off of a three-fight losing streak. Mm. Like, that's some amazing mental turnaround there. That's mm. that's pretty incredible. That's not easily done. Three fight losing streak. You think you're on your way out of the UFC, and now he's put together a four fight win streak, and he's ranked eleventh, and he's making fans left, right, and centre with the shoeys, the walkout songs. I mean, I think on the broadcast they didn't show the song properly, but he came out to Barbie Girl. So good, Just amazing, like... amazing stuff. Um, but in terms of what's next, uh, Shamil. Abdul Rakahimov is uh, is up there, and uh, Josinio Rosenstreich as well. I mean, Josinio is a better striker than Ty, but as we know, if he if Ty connects, it could be game over. So I don't know. That could be an interesting one. I mean, Josinio's kickboxing is very very good, um, but yeah, that, that those could be interesting fights. Obviously, Dork has got a fight lined up. Aspinall's got a fight lined up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you what's he, a great fight is if 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 Dorcas beats Derek Lewis this weekend. Yeah. Derek Lewis versus Ty Tuivasa is a really really yeah. fun fight. Yeah. And the build up to it and everything would be great as well. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm on board for that. Um, okay. So yeah. What, what else have we got left to discuss on well, this? this I mean, card mate what do you want to Emmett about Emmett beat Ige I've not got a huge amount to say about it but Ige uh, Emmett sorry is now ranked above Arnold Allen who we're big fans of on this show and he's a former guest of the show Arnold calling for Korean Zombie there's a possibility he doesn't get that fight Dan Hooker's looking to go down to 145 he's calling for Korean Zombie and Arnold Allen as we mentioned before is in that position where he's such a dangerous fighter and he's on like an 8 fight UFC win streak but his name doesn't carry enough value for people to want to fight him. They just know he's a kind of high-risk, low-reward fight. So uh, maybe Emmett will end up being Arnold's, Arnold Allen's next defi- opponent, potentially, if he can't get the Korean zombie fight. But I'm hoping he gets the Korean zombie fight, because I think he, he's definitely earned a massive fight, and he, he deserves that. But I wouldn't be surprised if if Emmett is Arnold Allen's next opponent, potentially. Um 
Uh, and unless you've got something else to say, I think uh, Muniz at middleweight is looking very, very impressive. Another armbar finish. He's now yep. on a five-fight win streak. He's up to 13th in the middleweight rankings. And middleweight is, I think it's, it's not that hard to cut through that middleweight division. Once you're ranked, you only need a couple of wins and that's it because Adesanya's dispatched of so many of those yep. middleweight guys uh, as it stands. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he called for Darren Till. I don't know. That really? I, yeah, I don't know that I think Darren Till would want that fight. I don't know. Uh, there's talk of Darren hit, hit Darren Till versus Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall. I don't think that's actually 100% confirmed yet, but there's talk of it, and that makes a lot more sense, in my opinion, for Darren. What that's... That- uh- Go on, sorry. I, I just well, got a bit excited Muniz, about that fight. Well, we can talk about that, but, but Muniz, maybe Gastelum could be a good fight for Muniz. Mm. Yeah, that's not a bad shot. Yeah. But what were you going to say? Were you going to talk about Hall Till? I think that's uh, a perfect fight for Darren Till. Uh, I think it's a striking match. And I, I think we've we've seen that Darren Till needs to kind of avoid some wrestlers while he, he, mm-hmm. he keeps training his wrestling. And, and I think perfect fight, you know, but both fan favourites and uh, and you know obviously more so Till. But yeah, I'm, I think there could be some very exciting kicks and uh, and some heavy hands in that scrap. I'm, I'm down with that. Whether that's I guess rumoured to headline the the London card. Um, that's the rumour. Nothing confirmed, yeah. but that's the rumour, yeah. And I think that'd be a great one to headline the London card. And it's exactly, as you say, the type of fight I think Till needs to try and get back on track. And if he were to lose that fight against Uriah Hall, I don't know where he goes from there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, any other fights you want to talk about? No, mate, that's that's it. I know there was a few others on the card, but I've not necessarily got a huge amount to say about them. Uh, overall, it was a great card. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, yeah, and plenty to come. Loads of great events coming up and uh, we will be discussing them, obviously. Um, We're hopefully going to record a show talking uh, about 2021, uh, you know, an incredible year for for mixed martial arts. And we'll be uh, discussing that in a a show in the next couple of weeks. We've got some amazing episodes coming your way. We've got chats with Corey McKenna, um, Muay Thai superstar, Liam Harrison, and ooh, who else we reach? Jai Herbert. Jai Herbert, of course. Um, we've got that coming your way soon. Um, plenty more stuff in the new year as well. Um, but if uh, you've not checked us out, um, this is your first time you've stumbled across this pod, then go subscribe and check out the back catalogue because there's a big bundle of amazing natters that we've had with um, some absolute legends of this sport. So go and explore that. Um, and if you want to find out about all the things we've got happening and coming up, then we're on all the usual social media places. So give us a, a follow over there and drop us a message if you want that's always nice we're back next time Mr Harrison we're back next time thanks very much guys we'll see you later bye bye